Hey everyone, welcome back to the Dadcore Cinema Club. It's a podcast about the cable classic, the middlebrow masterpieces. Those movies that never stop reminding you how much you like to talk film, to discuss, to critique, no matter how many times you watch them. I am your host, as always, Brandon. Joining me, as always, is my co-host. His name is... Charlie. That's Charlie. Folks, I hope you listened last week. We talked about Halloween, because it is the season. 1978, John Carpenter's Halloween. Our good buddy, Matt, from the MovieFlex podcast joined us. If you haven't listened to it, go back. If you haven't seen that movie, go watch it. You've probably seen it, so go listen. It's good. Michael Myers is our friend. But this week, instead, we're going far away from Halloween, uh, but not far away in time. We're just going to stay right there in the 70s where it's cozy and safe, not <laughs> leaving my comfort zone. We're talking about The Exorcist. 1973's Billy Friedkin made this. Yep, Wild Willie. That's what they call him, Billy Freeds. Yeah, that was a good uh, a good Lee Cobb impression. I think you really, you nailed it. I've been, I've been like running that through my head all day since you posted the clip, I think, last <laughs> night on Twitter. The keep that in your back pocket for the uh, the David Gordon Green remake because they uh, they got the Donald Pleasance impersonator for Halloween. Maybe they could tap you for the <laughs> detective impersonator. Oh, it turns out like David Gordon Green's twist is he'll make the movie all about the detective and it's his angle. That would honestly fucking rule. That's all we're saying. That's all I'm thinking about. Like. So we talked a bit about that character before we started recording, and that was the part I was like, I'm going to stop because I want to talk about this on the show. Like, my vision of the David Gordon Green movie is it's the perspective of the detective who is investigating probably the fucking de- investigate the priest thinking that they're involved because there's a moment where he's like watching the father come out of the apartment. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. get his get his perspective, like the not even the the crisis of faith uh, father. You get the guy who does not believe at all having his faith uh, or lack of faith questioned. I mean, I think that guy is ripe for uh, being the main character. Somebody on somebody on Twitter, man, now I'm sad I can't credit whoever said this, but he is like a Columbo type guy. Mm. And to have some kind of like supernatural Columbo, that's a show I would tune into, I think. There's so much fruit on the tree of supernatural Columbo that things haven't taken. There's like cast a deadly spell is sort of like Fred Ward doing a Humphrey Bogart uh, in a supernatural world. He's basically playing. um, Fuck it. The fucking big sleep character. Sam Spade. No, Philip Marlowe. He's playing. He's playing Philip Marlowe, but they like change the first name. Uh so he's like basically that kind of detective in a world that has like demons and trolls and stuff. <laughs> that sounds cool. It was an HBO movie. It's not bad. Yeah. So that that type of deal in the exorcist yeah. world. Yeah. The, the detector cyst. Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. The David Gordon Green. I knew you listen. <laughs> uh, I have mailed all these ideas to myself before this podcast came out. So please get in touch. Yeah, a padlocked box under your bed with just the detector cyst scrawled on it. It's buried under my basement. Yeah, it's buried in northern Iraq to be mm-hmm. dug up thousands of years later by Max von Sydow. 
he pulls out this relic, turns it over. What does this say? What dusting it off and and just etched into this stone is the detector cyst. It's like the uh, the Big Lebowski etching bit. <laughs> <laughs> big dick drawing on it. I mean, there is a Pipe Pazuzu has like a schlong. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is erect. You can't. It's not as visible when he appears in the movie as himself covered in fog, but on that statue, it may just staring you right in the eye. The it do, it kind of seems like they're positioning the Pazuzu statue to like minimize the the impact of the like giant mm-hmm. dong on this statue. But it, yeah, you can't you can't miss it. <laughs> the beginning of this movie in northern Iraq, the whole this whole thing like it's so hard for me to place. It's just immediately deeply unsettling. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know. I'm, it feels very personal, but I know like fucking millions of people have had this reaction, but it, it feels like everything from like every shot selection to like the pacing of the edits and all of the images just feel like they're cursed. They like really get under my skin. Mm-hmm. There's something he does in the beginning in in the Iraq section, uh, when Max von Sydow, when he goes out to f- like investigate the little relic that he's found, he's like going through these busy city streets and they're crowded and loud and he's surrounded by people. And then it cuts from him inside this tunnel where he's walking through this tunnel and he's going through light shafts that like light him up slowly as going between shadow and light. And then it cuts to just him in the middle of these ruins and he's the only thing in the frame other than these ruins. And it's, it's it's contrasting like this crowded, like hectic, uh, confusing place, and then just like abject isolation mm. uh, in a way that like I don't know it it like it is immediately tense. Like you don't even know what it's building to yet. I mean, you know because you know what the Exorcist is about. <laughs> right. but, like in terms of like the story, you don't know exactly what direction this character is taking, how he plays into it, or anything. But you get this feeling of like it's building to something, and it's very tense because you don't know what. Yeah, the isolation just drops you in. Is like a big thing like even just visually max von Sado is like one of the whitest guys ever he's like translucent mm-hmm. <laughs> he just sticks out so much from like this northern Iraq setting and all of the other people that are there one thing also striking about him is how old do you think he is in this movie uh they say keeping in they... mind that he was in the force awakens in 2014 yeah but he was also what in like the seventh seal and stuff <laughs> like he's old i don't know yeah, they how say old in the movie he he's like in his 70s the mm-hmm. character i don't know he looks maybe it. 70 years old yeah but what? he is like 40 in this movie <laughs> really yeah he's a 44 year old man in this movie dude guys which in is the insane 70s. to me i was looking watching this movie i'm like i'm like i know i fucking saw him in a movie in the 2010s yeah when like it's in like game of thrones yeah, I'm like, there's. No, I was like, there's no way, the guy wasn't 150 in Star Wars. Like, what's going on? No, he's just like the oldest looking 44 year old ever put to film. That's just what people in their 40s in the 70s looked like. People just uh, aged. Uh, the other lead, insanely. what's his name? Um, it's Miller. Uh, Jason Miller's 34 in this movie. That's, yeah, I mean. 34 in the 70s is like what a 50 year old looks like now yeah ellen burstyn well, though she's she's like 39 in this movie like yeah that looks bad. yeah you look yeah you'll yeah you're no, looking yeah. good 
this is strictly for men that the yeah no like she looks 10 years younger than jason miller <laughs> the the 70s aging vortex that was created <laughs> only applied to middle-aged men that's it's because Sido wasn't wearing you know he wasn't wearing sunscreen when he was in iraq that was the thing he did have some like really chapped ass lips a really dry skin i was they didn't not have skincare routines back then yeah i wasn't looking up the uh lancaster marin skincare routine <laughs> i don't i he has like pills for dinner nondescript pills for dinner so that can't be what helping are, with his skin <laughs> yeah what are those i don't know maybe they're just altoids <laughs> they're just tic tacs yeah i i'm not really sure i've been thinking about the pills a lot actually i think they're anti-demonic possession pills <laughs> they inoculate him <laughs> yeah he's got to keep taking them every 24 hours or pazuzu comes for him yeah well that's yeah those are the moderna ones though that's why mm-hmm. uh our main guy is able to kick the demon out of his body because he got the real the real shit mm-hmm. the pfizer oh, he got the, he's a pfizer guy he got the j and j the one shot the other thing about the opening is uh, i realized watching it I, I i've seen this movie before but I haven't seen it in like 15 years. I haven't seen it since I was like early teens or something. So in my mind, like what I remembered was everything in the house. And so like everything outside of the house is like brand new to me in my brain. Yeah. Uh, This movie has the same opening as Jurassic Park. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Is he finds Pazuzu in the amber? Shoot her. Shoot her. Oh, I was, I was thinking of, uh, uh, the the dig site yeah so it's actually he's, the second scene of Jurassic Park I'm sorry yeah uh no yeah he's he's a digger <laughs> like me <laughs> yeah so that's exactly so like you know they they dig up uh, Pazuzu in the amber and then you know they made the mistake of uh, getting his DNA they like how Pazuzu infects people is they like don't even pretend to get into how that like this i this is what i really like about the movie is like it never gets into the weeds of like Mm. oh what did she do to get possessed or like uh did she like do the fucking puzzle box or like did she touch the wrong thing in the basement or whatever it's just like i don't know she's there's just a demon in her now you know it's um i think it's that's like so important to why this movie works is there is this air that um no one understands anything that's going on. Like they send doctors to, to study her. They send a psychologist to study her. They send the faith to study her. And it's like, all of these are just tools of, of human understanding of the universe. And none of them can fathom like the full answer. Right. The, I think at the very beginning, the, his like little assistant guy quotes something from the Bible where he just says like evil against evil, which I think is really what the movie is doing that like between like faith or science or whatever that there's no like pure good that you can fight the like evils of the world with it's always some kind of evil pitted against a different kind of evil and i think the 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 pills thing that's just like because you can look at it as the like max von Sydow character is like the purely faith-based approach of like dealing with this shit but even he is like at the mercy of uh you know modern medicine and Mm -hmm. 
science or whatever like he he needs these these pills these uh secular medicines to get through the day i think they're also probably a sign of like the fact that his health is not in the best of shape after (laughs) the uh, apparent legendary exorcism he did 20 years prior yeah his months-long battle with a demon the beginning of the movie really effectively too puts you into the the soundscape of this movie which is so fucking intense and jarring that like at so much of the like diegetic noise and like background noise is so fucking loud that like when he goes back to the ruins and the dogs start fighting the like sounds of the dogs getting at each other just takes over the whole mix it's like uh it's horrible <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and, and it also like i mean it, it's also uh, an immediate introduction to how stark and silent its uses of music is like there's seven i think there's 17 minutes of music in the entire movie is what i've read uh so like the movie will be in in terms of score silent uh obviously you said very loud uh sound effects uh at times but then suddenly the score will hit and it'll be like super loud Mm -hmm. and that main theme uh tubular bells is like very it it is striking and shocking when it hits and then it hits for a few seconds and it's gone Mm mm-hmm uh, and it's like it blindsides you with with music when it hits. It is, I mean, it just it yeah. It, there's something about its very limited uses of music that makes it extremely tense, and and makes those few moments of those songs hit. And uh, the score does hit like right at the end of the um, opening section in Iraq. Uh, it's just it's just intense. It just it highlights that music when it hits so much more. Yeah, it it is funny how little tubular bells is in the movie because we were talking about halloween last week and how like john carpenter has said that he like liked the use of that song in that movie and like based his halloween theme around it because the theme in halloween is playing like fucking constantly Mm -hmm. it's like always happening but yeah there's like two instances where tubular bells plays in this in the movie he was like, oh, that's a good idea. They should have done that the whole time. In my movie, we'll do it all the time. I'm doing only the good parts for my movie. That was my. That's my one note of The Exorcist, is they should have played the song nonstop. More bells. More tubes. Yeah, when we go back to, uh, or not go back to, when we cut to, to Georgetown, we get a little movie within a movie action going on. Is it the one thing that, uh, you know, Hollywood loves is movies about movies and movies about movie people. Yeah, it's not super relevant like plot-wise or like thematically to what's going on that she is like an actress in a movie. Apparently the producers wanted there was one of the notes they gave the writer of the movie um who was the writer of the book uh what's his name? Um Blatty. Blatty. So they wanted him he he like didn't want to change anything from his book. He wrote his screenplay, he cut out a bunch of the book obviously to make it fit. One of the things that he refused to change that the studio wanted him to change was that she was an actress. They wanted her to have a different kind of job. And he's like, no, she has to be a movie star, uh, which is interesting because that's like one of the things that like Hollywood loves movies about itself. So it's one of those things I wouldn't expect to be a note from a studio to be like, no, make it less about <laughs> us. Enough already. I guess she does have to be rich, though, to mm-hmm. like. Later in the movie, yeah, invite every doctor on Earth to come look at Reagan. It's it's funny. She's, like, acting in the scene and is still just, like, immediately 
drawn to our other main character of the movie. They like lock eyes for a second because he's like an extra in the crowd. He just happens to be walking by because they happen to be at his university. Mm-hmm. Damien. Because Damien is the counselor to the other priests at the university. Yeah, he's like a psychiatrist. Is it? It's just for the staff. I can I can never tell yeah. if he was no, yeah, also he like. Yeah, he is. A... Yeah, he's the um, psychiatrist to the other to the other priests. Because he's a doctor and a priest. Mm-hmm. Double threat. Yeah. It's like the setup to some kind of old timey joke. Yeah, a doctor and a priest walk into a bar. He does walk into a bar. Like he drinks a lot. Yeah, I wrote down drinking priest. I like that guy. I like that guy a lot. It's his first movie. Yeah. Oh, well, he was like yeah. a playwright. Mm-hmm. He's so good. He's so fucking good. I love him. Him and, him and Burstein just like, but especially is it Burstein or Burstein? I think it's Burstein. Burstein. She's great. It's Bustin. Bussin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. I hope she listens to this episode. Yep. I, think, I thought you're great in this movie. Yeah. I'll, I love, if you I are, love, I'll um, be more respectful. I love Alice doesn't live here anymore. Yeah. I love your uh, Wicker Man remake. This was like an early, this, like, this was um, Miller's like first movie. This was one of her early movies. Before this, she had done... Uh, she was in a Bogdanovich rapes. She was the last picture show. Is she? Yes, sure. And after this, she was in Alice doesn't live here anymore. I don't remember. This is like right at the beginning of her career. She's incredible in this. Yeah, she is very good. She's very good at saying Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's important. It's good thing she was too, because that is so key to the role. Yeah. She had not been good at that. I don't know if the movie would have worked. That's the only line she had to read for the audition. Jesus Christ. It was actually the only line they wrote worked for in the script. Um at first she actually had to improvise the yeah, rest. She improved the whole movie. Yeah. She kinda had they kind of wrote her script like the like they write Pokemon dialogue. Um how do they write Pokemon dialogue? <laughs> yeah, like she only could say <laughs> the name mean? Jesus Christ, just like oh, Pikachu, okay, they okay. Pikachu. Got it. I thought you were about to drop some insight into like how Pokemon scripts were <laughs> oh, written. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a part early on in the movie where like the Damien Karras uh yeah there's part at the beginning where Father Karras is uh talking and a plane flies over and the whole you can't hear anything but like the noise of the plane when he's like going on the train to get to his mom it's super loud all the lights in the subway are like really oh my god the lights in the subway are blown the fuck out blaring there's when he gets into the subway it, it was really striking to me because he's coming up walking up the stairs into the, from the lower level up to where the trains are and the light behind him as he walks up the staircase is just like bursting out like he's coming out of like shining light uh into this like the noisiest loudest uh brightest platform ever the apparently like the cinematographer had a uh, kind of a rough go of it because William Friedkin apparently was like being like a freak about the naturalism and didn't want any like uh like softer lights put in or any like bounce sheets or anything and so like sometimes the setups would just be like unfilmable because there was so much fucking light that like apparently the first time they tried to shoot the kitchen he was just like I can't fucking do this because there's so much chrome in there just like bouncing all the <laughs> light everywhere. So like uh I'm curious 
what what the setup was like down in the subway to like get the all the light bleed like that. It's really, really spooky looking. It's striking. Visually loud. Those trains hit so fucking loud when they pass the camera. He's it also establishes him as like a Every interaction he has with just regular people, he's like, get the get away from me. He's not like a nice priest. No, I'm off duty. Yeah, it's like a guy to, like asking for help and he's just like kind of shrugs away. Yeah. I'm off I mean, duty, buddy. He always looks like a second away from like spitting on people. Scum. Not because he looks down on them. I think he's just like constantly annoyed. Yeah, he doesn't. I mean, he's he's, he's lost his faith. Yeah, he yeah. is depressed. His mama. <laughs> <laughs> His mama's sick. His mama's sick. Is she sick? Something's wrong with her leg? I mean, we're all sick. Oh, I got bad legs. Mm-hmm. Like, I just... it Because he, he, like, bandages up her leg, right? Yeah, she has something. It just... I don't... It seems like a very, about. like, old world thing. Like, oh, my mother, she's very sick. Her leg. <laughs> <laughs> it's her leg. Classic leg syndrome. Uh... Yeah, she, like, lives in the bad part of town. Uh, I think, like, that's actually a big part. You said a couple minutes ago, it, it's, like, important that um, her name is... Burstyn's character's name is, like, Chris? Yeah, Chris. Chris and Reagan. Yeah, like, that... I think, like, that that contrast is something that the movie is playing with a little bit. of just, like, they are extremely rich. Right. And here's, like, the father and his mother are, like, destitute, and he can't afford the best of care. Like yeah. his mom just wastes away because he can't afford anything. Yeah, it uh, it's also like just going back to like what this movie is doing thematically that like being a priest uh, and being a psychiatrist, like neither this like old world ancient like technique of uh, like bettering yourself or this uh, like newfangled psychiatry, like neither of them are effective at making this guy's life any better well, uh his uncle says when they have to put his mom in the hospital his uncle says his uncle it, sucks his uncle's a piece of shit because this is a <laughs> shitty thing to say to someone when his mother is in the hospital he says he says something like it's funny because if you hadn't joined the priesthood and if you use your psychi- psychiatry degree you could be a rich psychiatrist on the other side of town uh-huh and uh, i don't remember the exact words but he basically tells him like if you weren't if you didn't have your faith, like your mom could be taken care of. Yeah. You'd have a, you'd have a ton of money. Yeah. While his mom is sick and like dying. Right. Yeah. There's like these implications at different parts of the movie that like being a priest makes him a worse psychiatrist and being a psychiatrist makes him a worse priest. Mm-hmm. That is just like not, not good things to be both of. Yeah. His uncle puts her in like, well, this, that all happens a little later after his because he he goes to new york and he comes back and he's like i i gotta get to new york my mom is like in a bad way he has his like moment with his boss like a like a detective being like i gotta i gotta give up i'm not i'm not cut off for this anymore yeah the guy's like we need you we need you on the (laughs) forest buddy yeah they're like smoking cigarettes they're at the the cop bar the priest bar (laughs) (laughs) every city has the bar that all the priests go to no, they're they're having the uh, I need like we need you on the force like you can't quit we need you right now one more case and then you can quit conversation so I got <laughs> the idea I think exorcists are like the cops of the 
of the priesthood. Yeah. Yeah. The the beat cops. Yeah. Yeah, I was all the because he's like drinking beer, smoking cigarettes. I was like Googling like what what are the rules for priests? <laughs> it's it's like just sex, I guess. They can't do that. Everything else though is fine. Man. Yeah, they got better lives than the Jedi, basically. They really do. Like Cause he, he's smoking up a storm in this movie. Yeah. Does it does that exist? I feel like smoking drinking priests is something we've kind of left behind. We got to get back to it. We got to get back to Catholicism. I don't think we can have good horror movies until. No, uh, we can't be yet another podcast that says get back to Catholicism. We must return is what I'm saying. Hey, guys, us too. We did it, too. We're also converting. It was only a matter of time. It's for the movies, though. Yeah. It's like the Seinfeld guy that converts to Judaism for the jokes. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm converting to Catholicism for the movies. Just, I just need to understand uh, Scorsese movies more. Yeah. <laughs> Get in his mind. I do think about that every time I watch like a deep, deeply religious movie. I'm like, man, I feel like just like an angle on this. I could get a little bit deeper if I just converted. Yeah, we should probably say that we're <laughs> maybe not the best guys to be <laughs> talking about a movie about a bunch of Catholics. I don't know anything about the Bible. Yeah, I never read it. So maybe this couldn't happen to us. Maybe you have to be like involved in that uh, arena in some capacity to even get possessed. Yeah, I think we're just not. I think you have to believe it. So I'm good. It'll never happen to me. Well, I mean, Reagan has no religious beliefs and neither does her mom. She tells the, the doctors that. Yeah, and I guess they heard. You know what? I was thinking about this. Watch the movie. You know, the first thing they hear is noises in the attic. You know, I've been hearing noises. In oh, my yeah. Attic. It's not uh, squirrel. You thought it was squirrels too, or I thought it was squirrels in the attic. I'm not going up there to check. It's an apartment. I don't know what's up there. It's not my job to check up there. Yeah, get uh, your guy, your houseboy, to do it. Yeah, I should. I should. And you know what they're gonna find? They're gonna tell me there's nothing, and it's gonna turn out it's my good friend Pazuzu coming to visit. I'm gonna tell you it's nothing like in a real asshole way. Scare you? Ah, you see that guy? <laughs> her her like helper guy He's is a creep. Creepy. Also, I you know what? The further we got in the movie, the more I'm sure the director was right. That guy, probably a Nazi. Yeah, his outburst at the party. His name's Carl. I bet it's with a K. The British director, he can smell a Nazi. He was in the war. <laughs> he's like thinking, he's like, we used to stack krauts like you. <laughs> oh shit, his name is with a K. Of course that guy's a Nazi. Yeah, he's uh, got like a German accent. Uh, yeah, he's he's like he's like he goes up and scares uh Chris when she's checking the cl- uh, checking the attic. He's like pops up and just like spooks ah, her for no reason. Yeah, yeah. To How much it... of the possession stuff early on was him playing gags around the house? Yeah, he was uh had some fishing wire on the Ouija board. <laughs> he like he just like hooked up the bed some like wire. He was like pulling uh pulleys on the bed from like the other room to make it go down. <laughs> the big marionette bed. <laughs> It's just a goof. You're unpunked. It's fine. Dude, you don't fuck with Ouija boards. I feel like... Yeah, no. That, I think that's a lesson in this movie. Don't fuck with Ouija boards. Don't talk to... to what's his name? Captain Duty? Captain Howdy. Captain, Captain Howdy. Duty. Oh, I was thinking... Cause Howdy, I was thinking Howdy, Howdy Duty. Duty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm 70. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a reference that I think about. <laughs> uh, 
the stuff with the mom and, and Reagan is so cute in the beginning of the movie. Like the, this movie, it takes like 20 minutes or sorry. It takes until the last 20 minutes to get to the exorcism. Yeah. And it uses that hundred and like that 100 minutes that has ahead of time to like set up these characters and the stakes, their relationships, how invested they are in their faith and the world around them so that you believe in it. And so like the first 20 minutes or so gets really deep into just here's Reagan and Chris hanging out. And like, they're incredibly cute when, mm. when the mom comes home and the daughter's like, Oh, we went here and I got to ride a horse and we did all these things. And they're just so excited to talk to each other. They wrestle on the ground for a little bit. It is adorable. Their relationship is so, is so cute. So that by the time it gets ripped apart, like you feel it. Yeah. They feel like genuinely close and it, uh, Reagan, Linda Blair feels like so young. Yeah. Which she like, is, makes, she was like 12 when she made this. Yeah. Which is insane. It's like a big part of the, the shock value of this movie is like seeing a child saying all this stuff. A child who can act. I think that's what I was, that's what scared me the most. Yeah. Oh that kid's God. that skilled? <laughs> Fuck. What are the rest of us going to do? I'm 30 and I can't do anything. I have no skills. Actually, I think actually the scariest thing is um, that one of uh, Chris's suggestions of what they can do before they leave D.C. is she's like, we didn't even get to see the Lee mansion. It was finding out that they're racist. Uh, they're canceled. Yeah, I'm canceling <laughs> the McNeil family. I'm glad. You know why she got possessed? Because they were lost cause people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got off easy. Yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pazuzu was like, oh, someone who's sympathetic to my cause. That's a good, it's a good host. <laughs> Go on in. This is evil. Turns out evil already be taken. There. I didn't. Did they say that? Hmm. I did the not Lee thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wrote it down because I was like, I had to pause and even go, wait a minute. Is there a different Lee mansion you could visit in DC? And it's like, no. I'm pretty sure that's General Lee's mansion. Yeah. In Virginia. Did not notice that i just <laughs> i thought it was funny because it is the kind of thing that you would put in a script as like a oh it's a cute thing a family could do in 73 but if you made that movie today that would not be your example of a cute uh, yeah completely separated no matter what you think of the lee mansion like the fact is that that is like a touchy subject these days that it wasn't in 73 so it stood out to me of like oh you wouldn't write that you it would you would say we didn't get to go to the Smithsonian yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I living and growing up in Georgia, uh, mm. like that didn't even <laughs> washed over me. Like I don't know. I live very near a Lee Street <laughs> that's still just named after Robert E. Lee. Like well, as a, as a Northern boy, yeah, I'm just, it sticks out a little bit more. <laughs> canceling William Friedkin. Finally, canceling one of my favorite directors. You know, you got to hold him, got to hold him accountable. Oh, uh, but no, that's just, it's a funny thing. Cause it's like, you wouldn't write that scene this way today. Yeah. Yeah. It does really like contrast their whole, like very, they're very close. They're very nice. They're very rich with Karis's whole hell that he's living in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He lives in a dorm room. His mother's in like a hovel in like a shitty apartment. She won't leave. It's her house. It's her house. You won't leave it. He offers to put her in a home. She's like, no. Uh, yeah. Her brother takes her to the world's scariest mental hospital. That was, yeah. 
that's that's such a that's so such a bummer of just like when Karis is like we could have put it in a nicer place and the brother's like what fucking money are you gonna yeah. pay for a place with there's so, gotta uh, be a place better than that though it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, you're horrible con- it's such a heavy contrast of like here's reagan and chris they're going to the best doctors in the world mm-hmm. and so much time passes in this movie it just kind of gets you just get like someone says in the beginning of the scene like oh it's been one week and just like suddenly like oh i guess this movie's taking place over months but yeah uh, she yeah. spends like the better part of a year sending her daughter to like the best doctors in the world over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a Karis can't afford anything on a pre-salary. Yeah. Well, yeah, you mentioned that there's just, like jumps in time. I feel like that's just another little, little choice that contributes to like the unsettling feel of this movie. Is it, there's just a sense that there's like lost time that like Karis's mom dies off screen and then they mention it like in the past tense. Well, yeah, he sees her and then the next scene, someone mentions that she's dead. Yeah. It's like hospital. We cut to the party. Someone mentions that he's dead. Yeah. And there's like an implication that some time has passed, but like seeing it in that way makes it seem like that killed her. That, like, that experience is what killed her, which is, like, how it feels to Karis. Like, that's what he's carrying with him, is that, like, that experience is what killed her. Yeah, because he couldn't care for his mom because she got put where she was put, and he wasn't there for her. Like, that's why she died, because he couldn't protect her. Man, it's so sad. She's, like, strapped to the bed, and she's like, why would you do this to me? Whew. Yeah. She seems so sweet, too. And then insanely creepy for the rest of the movie whenever she pops up. (laughs) Um, Because she does pop up in his freaky-ass dreams. His dream about his mom is the first time we get a flash of the the demon face. Mm -hmm. Another little... Yeah, they're like... It's like a death mask face paint, like Day of the Dead stuff. Yeah. Yeah, another... Another little technique that we never see that guy for more than like a full second. Oh, you mean the subliminal messaging that's trying to turn you into a demon supporter? Mm-hmm. It's not subliminal, though. Like, it's left yeah. up long enough that you, like, you register it. Oh, yeah. No, Um, there were, like, criticisms of the movie yeah. that it like, was using subliminal messaging to try to turn. I don't even know what the point is. Uh, But I remember it was, it was, I was reading, it was either Blatty or Friedkin whose response to that was, it's not subliminal because if you noticed it by definition, it's not subliminal. Yeah. I know people have like accused this movie of having like uh subsonic frequencies playing. <laughs> they're like they're like uh shifting your aura or whatever with evil frequencies. Yeah, it's worth noting that people like a lot of weird reactions to the movie came out of like people it was either a movie you had to see because it was real. It was reflecting a re- reality of your religious beliefs or a movie you had to be scared of because it was demonic. And it's like, it's either like see this movie because it's like, Oh, it is. It is a movie for religious people to, to scare them or Like this is an evil movie. Those are the two reactions. Yeah. Well, like part of the hype machine that like fueled the success of this movie was like news reports that were like, 
this movie is dangerous. So, like people are people having are heart attacks. In the hallways. Like there, it's hard to know like what's re- there were reports of like women having miscarriages and like <laughs> people I mean, fainting. Funny, it's when you watch like an old movie that has that kind of reputation, like people puked when she puked in the movie because it was so disgusting. And it, you watch it and go like, oh, it's scary, but it's not like making have a physical reaction. It's a little funny. But like we still get movies with that reaction today. Yeah. 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Remember Cloverfield was like people were throwing up in the aisles because of the shaky cam. Yeah. Well, it's like and, part of the promotions for the paranormal activities movies. It's show a promotion like, of Terrifier 2 this year. Yeah. Of like people are people are are pissing themselves and puking because of Terrifier Two. It's so gross. Yeah, I made it through that movie without puking. I just want to announce that right now. Everyone, clap for me. Nice. I haven't don't, seen don't it, but I did that I puke. puke because of that movie. Don't put it in the newspaper that I puked. <laughs> uh, that's something too that like I've been thinking about because you had said that you hadn't seen it in a long time and like the only parts you remembered were, you know, the actual exorcism, which I think is how it is for a lot of people. And it's like very iconic, but to me, that's like when the movie gets the least scary. Mm -hmm. And like, I think that's what a lot of people are reacting to the like people that are like, I don't get what the big deal is. Exorcist. It's not scary. Like not only is it not the scariest movie ever, it's not scary at all. It's like, yeah, the, a like little girl, you know, spouting out nickelodeon slime into a guy's face isn't that scary but like everything else leading up to it like all of the techniques employed in all of the scenes building up to that final like 25 minutes are like really upsetting to me i i think it's a very tense movie for those people i actually do think the ending is scary too though uh the, the exorcism stuff uh not like you know i don't think uh, demonic possession is real so I'm not like oh no this could really happen but like in terms of what's happening to the characters I think actually to me the scariest single scene in the movie uh, well other than like the surgery scenes because those always freak me out in movies. yes yeah it's like that's the worst thing when they poke your neck and blood spurts out it, that's the yeah. scariest thing in the movie. I was I waiting back what I was about to say until we got to that part in the movie but like the all of the like medical exam stuff I fucking hate mm-hmm. there's like they do the little like neck blood thing and they surround her mm. with a bunch of like x-ray things and it sounds like they're shooting her with a gun it's so fucking mm. loud and she's crying oh god fuck. it like gives me the shivers i i was gonna say the like the other scariest part of the movie is when all the furniture moves and ellen burson's locked in the room with her mm-hmm. and it's it's scary because she's scared and that performance is so effective and what's happening to her is so terrifying for her specifically and getting trapped in that room is scary uh that is like a really effect. Like I think even the I think even the exorcism is, like, is extremely effective, but also leading up to it, that hundred minutes leading up to it is like extremely tense, extremely foreboding. The things that are happening to characters are so horrible, just in terms of like their lives falling apart around them. Watching both uh, Miller and Burston have to react to their lives disintegrating mm-hmm. as they go on, like him losing his his faith and his mom, her like losing her mind as her like she doesn't know what to do with her daughter. Yeah, like that, if you have any kind of like anxiety, just that feeling of like knowing something is really wrong and going to the doctor and them not knowing and not being able to tell you anything is like horrifying. Yeah, in every like every field of medicine not being able to say because it's not like she goes to her like 
her like GP and she's like, nah, I, yeah, we don't know. She goes like their doctor doctor doesn't know the like have like the the best research doctors for the brain in the world don't know. Yeah. And then psychiatrists don't know. Yeah, they go to like the great gathering of the doctors. They're like at a big she, round table. Yeah, she meets the Dr. Cabal. <laughs> yeah. She goes to the Illuminati. Like, the Illuminati doesn't know. She meets like Reed Richards and he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. They have like a hypnotist come mm-hmm. in. She grabs his dick and <laughs> tackles him to the ground. That's the scariest thing because, man, <laughs> yeah. if the detective had been there at the time, your career is over, buddy. Yep getting arrested because the possessed girl (laughs) (laughs) the uh doctors just like having no answer and getting to the point where they're like trying to medically justify suggesting a priest perform an Mm -hmm. exorcism is so fucking funny Mm -hmm. i i love that the doctor's like look we don't believe in this but it might work please try it they're I like, won't admit that it might work. In the build-up to the, like, call an exorcist, they're, like, hedging so much and saying all this shit, and she's like, please, just tell me whatever the fuck you're trying to tell me. <laughs> like, I don't care that He's you all... He's trying so hard to be like, look, I don't believe this. Don't think... Don't put in the paper that I'm religious. <laughs> uh, but you should call an exorcist. We've the talked exorcist, about it actually. for months and we've come to the conclusion that we have no fucking idea <laughs> what's going on. Speaking of exor- believing in exorcism, uh, what I was wanted to get at before, just to remind it a little bit, when I was saying the reactions when it came out. So I've talked to my dad about this movie. My dad was uh, 14 when it came out. And so this is a big movie for him. He was 14 when this movie came out. He fucking likes a cool way to see this movie. Yeah. But he was in Catholic school at the time. He went to Catholic school. Boy. And so... The way my dad describes this movie is as like the scariest movie like ever, because when he was a Catholic school kid at 14 in a school where like he was taught that like exorcisms were real. He was taught to like the event that what's being being pre- like uh, uh, presented in this movie is like this could happen. And so when he watches movie, it's a scariest thing in the world to him as a as a kid, as a 14 year old with faith watching something that like you believe could possibly happen. He's, he's, he described it as like the, the nuns at his Catholic school talked about the movie. Like it was this like real representation and that yeah. made it like extremely scary. I mean, it's scary too, because it's not like a morality play. It's not like trying to prescribe any like behaviors mm-hmm. onto Catholics. It's not like you're leaving the exorcist being like, oh well I'm not gonna uh be bad or whatever or I'll get mm-hmm. possessed. It's just like existing in this world can infect you with evil <laughs> no matter what you're doing. There yeah, there's no moral uh to to like I want to quote Roger Ebert's point about this. Cause uh he loved the movie, gave it four out of four. <sighs> but at the end of his review, he said uh I'm not sure exactly what reason people will have to see this movie. Truly enjoyment won't be one because what we get here aren't the delights of a Vincent Price thriller, but raw and painful experience. Are people so numb they need movies of this intensity in order to feel anything at all? And which I think goes to your point where you're just saying, which is like, this movie doesn't teach you anything. It doesn't make you feel good by the end of it. It is like an evil movie. It, it, it makes you feel bad. Yeah. Even though good wins, good wins at the end. The battle they fought was 
not it's it had a I want to say pointless, not pointless like it didn't have a point for winning it, but the like the she wasn't infected because she was a bad person. Like just a bad thing happened to her for no reason, and people lost their lives saving hers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, just kind of like part of a broader trend of like art and media in the 70s of just like looking at the world and being like this is very shitty mm-hmm. and our like ways of uh going about living this life whether they be like uh material or spiritual are not working mm-hmm. <laughs> like we don't know what to do. like things are bad and we don't really know what to do about it that's that's also yeah that is the tone of so many freaking movies right yeah it follows the french connection which is his like cop movie which is all about like nothing good happens in that movie yeah some scummy cops some scummy criminals that's what the exorcist needed popeye doyle it had had its own popeye doyle really yeah it did which he he enters the movie around this point uh because Reagan kills somebody. It, it, we're led to believe that she kills somebody. We don't see it. Yeah, the movie director falls out of her window. He's found at the bottom of the staircase with his head twisted around yeah. the other way. This guy fell down the stairs and his head fell off. I uh, I like how he describes it to um, Damien. He's like, hey, you know, just cop to cop here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> This guy's head turned around when he died. Just between us. You want to go see a movie? <laughs> you know, that's not normal, right? For his head to be twisted around. Yeah. He catches Karis uh, working out because that's what he does when he's not priesting. He's constantly uh, boxing and running. Yeah. He's training. the toughest priest. I got to let you know that this guy is not a normal priest. He's like, a, he's a cool guy. I'd like that is a nice little touch um, that just kind of subtly reinforces that this guy is like dirt poor uh he never wears anything except for his priest outfit or georgetown merch Mm -hmm. like the place he's wearing uh free shirts from his work (laughs) only yeah i guess we didn't really another like big iconic scene that we just skipped over is a reagan busting up the fancy movie industry party by like pissing on the floor and telling Uh people they're gonna die I just because I actually just looked at my notes and I remembered what she'd said in that, which is she says it to the director. She says, you're going to die up there. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Which he does die up there. In her room. Bert. And at the time at the party, uh, the or Burke, is it Burke the president or Burke? of the university who is also a priest, mm-hmm. but is like a star fucker because he's at the party playing piano and entertaining guests talking about how his ideal version of heaven is an all white uh, club where he's the booked uh, uh, performer every night and they love him. Yeah. He had like a, the showboat. He had like a high school musical upbringing where he wanted to sing and dance, but his dad made him become a priest. (laughs) He was the all-star priest of their high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The priest team wouldn't let him quit. Come on, dude. Uh, states are up next. We need you. We need <laughs> you. <laughs> I just want to dance. Yeah. I believe that someone uh, 
that their head could get twisted around naturally, though, after falling down the world's longest staircase. And the detective says it. He's like, he's like, it could have happened. Maybe he yeah. could have been twisted. They, he, he falls a long way. He go, he he leaves the second story window, and then just like hits these stairs. And instead of stopping after two steps, he apparently went a hundred yards further. <laughs> and uh, uh, what's in it? Chris, she doesn't even. She dr- drives past like a bunch of cops, a huge crowd outside of her house, and just walks right in. Pools of blood coming out the window all the way down the this stairs. Is like, the guy comes into the house. And he's like, "I assumed you heard." And she's like, "Oh, I heard what?" <laughs> the the I, assistant didn't notice either because the assistant's like, "I, I, Burke was with your daughter. I don't know." I well, just she was out. Home. Yeah, she yeah. had to go. So two she's people like, walk past that dead body like nothing. I know you asked me. You're actually paying me to look after your sick daughter, but. I had some shit to do. Don't worry. I called up that guy, that drunk guy that's here all the time. And I called up your drunk boyfriend. <laughs> he's not her boyfriend. He's just there all the time because he's lonely. That's what she tells Reagan. He's yeah. so fucking lonely ass loser. Yeah, that makes it sound better to your kid. <laughs> oh, no, we're not dating. He sucks. Just fucking. <laughs> like, she knows because she like Reagan even like basically implies like you're fucking right. And she's like, we're not together. And it's like, that makes it sound worse, Chris. Yeah, I couldn't tell if, uh, like, we were supposed to believe that she had, like, been reading about them in the tabloids. Because she has, like, the magazine that she's looking at. Mm. I just assume she noticed him around a lot. Yeah, creeping out of the house in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's like in Top Gun Maverick, where the daughter sees Mav leave the window. Yeah, it's a weird old British guy. (laughs) He is, like, twice uh, Chris's age. He's got some swag, though. He's got some good energy. Mm. <laughs> I like, too, I that they're know. making, like, a shitty movie. Oh, they're She's... making the Walt Disney version of the Ho Chi Minh story? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'd watch that. Yeah. But they made that at some point. It's one of the many shorts that they, like, deleted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's in the vault with Song of the South. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, before yeah, we but... leave the section with the doctors, I just, there's a good bit where the doctors are like, after the tests come back negative, they're like, we still think it's the brain. And Chris cuts them off and tells, basically tells them to shut up. Yeah. She's like, shut up. Like, I know it's like, shut up, movie doctors. I know it's not. Stop bullshitting me. Uh, it's a thing where doctors don't actually know what's wrong. And they're like trying to act like they don't not know what's wrong. Yeah. Kind of bullshit. And she just sees right through it immediately. It's the guy that has only learned about the frontal lobe. <laughs> just keeps saying, I think it might be the frontal lobe. You come to him like, oh, my knee's sore. Hmm. My knee's been bothering me lately. Classic frontal lobe symptom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the in the frontal lobe, you know, so you're processing all your pains. So I think, like, maybe, you know, it might be just a problem up there. You know, not only your brain has a frontal lobe. There's lobes all over, <laughs> all over your body. <laughs> It's the frontal lobe of your knee. Uh, we're going to need to like poke it, drain all this blood out of it for some reason. Yeah. Uh, clap you with the world's loudest x-ray machine. What is the blood? Why do they drain blood from her neck? I don't know what that is. I don't. I have no clue what that yeah, is. I, like, I thought they were taking like, an x-ray of her brain, but they just they just like got a blood fountain out of her neck. I, thought, I think maybe what? what they're doing is like putting some kind of like contrast material into her blood so that it shows up on the, on the brain scan. I think they were just having fun. 
they like to see it shoot out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have like contests or how far can you get it to go? <laughs> That's what uh, science and medicine was back then. We didn't know better in the 70s. We just <laughs> see how far the blood can go. Whoa. So unfortunately, your daughter's blood did go pretty far. So we do think it is frontal lobe syndrome. In the 70s, they still thought people had like bad blood. They were just letting some of the bad blood out to correct her humors. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were they were putting leeches on. Yeah. Like like in Captain Kronos, two episodes back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good pull. Uh. The other scary thing in that section is this, the, the fucking x-rays are scary. They, they just like, when they put the x-rays on screen, it goes, chunk, yeah. and the screen, it's a screen full of x-rays. And then they take them away and it goes, chunk, chunk, yeah. and then another set come up. It's like super bright too. It's like the, yeah. your TV just turns into like a flashlight into your face for a second. Yeah, I went blind. Ah! Whoa. You should get your frontal lobe checked. Yeah, it was. I, they gave me <laughs> frontal lobe syndrome. Frontal lobe syndrome. Ugh. That's uh, they're all quickly writing papers on Reagan to get famous. Yeah, so it turns out uh, it was in the Pazuzu section of the brain. Um, <laughs> classic Pazuzu syndrome. Pazuzu syndrome. It's uh, actually the name of the frontal lobe. They don't actually call it frontal lobe in, in, in science. It's called the Pazuzu gland. Yeah, but during all the testing, she kills a guy, and that and the cop goes to Karis to ask him mm-hmm. if he knows of anybody that might have done it. And this is where like the the Columbo attitude comes in because he like he does that Columbo thing of he pretends to be a little distracted and bumbling. He invites Karis to go to a movie with him, and he's like, "My wife won't go, but I got these tickets." Yeah, he's like, "You look like a famous boxer." Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's he like kind of like, mislead does some soft threats on him at one point. He's like, uh, you know, uh, psychiatrist in LA got arrested for not talking to the police. Yeah. He says my, like one of my favorite cop things of like, I'm just I'm not threatening. Just putting it I'm out just there. Mentioning this in casual conversation. Kyrus had the cla- also the classic cop story thing of knowing how to rebut that. Cause he's like, mm-hmm. it, I can just, I can tell any judge that I, I was told those details in confidence. Yeah. Confession. But he wasn't to rat out other priests. Huh. He tells him to fuck off. Yeah, he does. Because uh, he thinks it might be connected to also uh, some like statue. Don't put a dick on a statue. In, yeah, in the put church. some big boobs and a dick on a statue. <laughs> he thinks it might be something of the occult. But it was probably just like an AJ Soprano type kid <laughs> fucking with a statue. Yeah, the... Uh... The, that church didn't give out candy on Halloween, so some kids got pissed. <laughs> yep. Same thing happened to that director, too. Put boobs on the Virgin Mary. No! Big wiener. Why did, what's with the wiener? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a cone. It's like candy corn that they put on there. <laughs> Just a classic Halloween deco. That's yeah, all. It's a prank. It's a prank, bro. Those, they, should, they should sell, like, 15-foot versions of those so people get the skeletons of the yards. I need the 15 foot tall dick Virgin Mary. Pazuzu. <laughs> yeah, give me a 15 foot tall Pazuzu. <laughs> Come on, what's Spear Halloween good for? Yeah. If not, that's that. an easy one. They should have that. Come on. Uh, speaking of statues, what did you think of Reagan's Donald Trump statue she made at the beginning of the movie? I don't even remember that. Donald Trump statue. <laughs> she makes a statue that kind of looks like Pazuzu, but it's she oh, paints okay, it all orange right. with yellow hair. Yeah. 
She's got yeah, she's got little sculptures. That's mm-hmm. what uh puts our little detective on the on her trail. Did you find like one of her little mm-hmm. little knickknacks? Yeah, we found it outside her place where she lives. So the only way it could have gotten there is murder. <laughs> it's not I like, it's oh, I found this across town. It's, I found this outside your window. Yeah. There's probably tons of her shit outside of the window. Not even at the same time that he found the body. It's like a day later he finds one of her, some of her garbage outside her window. It's like buried under leaves and shit. It's probably mm-hmm. been there for months. Yeah. The guy's got nothing. He's got nothing. Uh, I really like his scene with uh, Ellen Burstyn, though, mm-hmm. where you can kind of like see her put together in real time that her daughter probably killed this guy. Mm-hmm. And like he's he's Columboing her too the whole time. He's I like Colum- how he keeps trying to bring up theories, and he's like, "No, nah, I shouldn't say." Yeah, yeah. He's when he he asks her something, and she's like, "I don't know." My like the housekeeper does that. Do you want me to ask him? And he's like, "No, nah, don't worry about it." But then he also like. He is a movie guy, so he's got to get her uh, her autograph at the end. It's the cutest part of the scene. It's... He's the only guy doing any kind of like lighthearted, funny business in the movie. Everyone else has like sunken eyes and like looks fucking miserable. Well, he's like doing his whole thing. He's the fun loving detective, you know. It's a lot. It's an easier job than being a priest, is what I learned. Or a movie star, or a mom. The hardest job of all. Yeah. <laughs> to be to be Pazuzu's mom. Whew. Not yeah. envious. I like that uh, he asked for an autograph for his daughter and then immediately is like, <laughs> I lied. It's for me. I, I love that what what trips him up is she's like, what's her name? He can't think of a name. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he fell for the like, Billy Eichner name one women bit. Fuck. It's it's me. <laughs> you got me. It's Reagan. It's my, it's my daughter's name is Reagan. Oh, weird. See, same as yours, I guess. <laughs> My da- me and my daughter actually have the same name, so just... her name is Detective. Uh... <laughs> You're quick. What's that character's name, Charlie? Detective uh, Lee J. Cobb. No, that's the actor's name. Oh, okay, that's close enough. That guy, he's been in a lot of good stuff. It's like on the waterfront and Twelve Angry Men, and good actor. Good mustache. Death of a Salesman. Never, yeah, never seen that. The play? The movie? Is there a movie? There's probably a movie. I think he was in the stage play. I've read His name is Lieutenant William F. Kinderman. Okay. Sure. That's the name. But then uh, Ellen Burstyn goes to talk to Karis to get him into the movie proper. Get him into the main storyline. Well, doesn't that happen after her daughter? Um, uh, she's doing all cross. Yeah, she's doing all kinds of really awful uh, shit. She uses a cross in a way um, you're not supposed to. Yeah, That's she sad. says a lot of bad words. She says the c word. She rubs her blood all over her mom's face. Pretty. That's nasty. the same. Yeah, that she traps her in the room, rubs her blood on her mom's face and then traps her in the room at a point where like i think even at the point like the doctors are like well we don't know if this is a real uh and the church is like well we don't know if this is a real actor it's like she moved furniture yes she was floating around how much more you need uh 
she's speaking in like three different voices there's like three different adult men's voices coming out of her mouth mm-hmm. when she talks no it's just one you heard max on it's just one, just one but, you know we get uh we get uh Karis in to come talk to her and he doesn't the, he watches a drawer open and is like ah might just be brain stuff do it again it's like anybody could do that once <laughs> But he's like, like takes a lot of convincing to even get over there. It's really funny when she's like talking to him and she's like, oh, she's a priest. You're a priest, but you're also a doctor. Where'd you go to school? And he's like, Johns Hopkins, Harvard, Yale, like lifts off like every fucking school. I'm the, I'm the smartest priest and doctor. <laughs> the most educated man alive. Do you think he just transferred around a lot? Couldn't make up his mind. Do you think he didn't graduate? He was yeah. in school for like a decade. Well, you know, with priests, sometimes they shuffle them around for other reasons. <laughs> <laughs> too many controversies. Yeah, too many complaints. They had to uh, put him in a different college. Oh, he was he was going Vankman with his studies. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was implying. Oh, the cop also has a really funny thing when uh, she says that she'll ask Reagan later because she's really sick. And he's like, oh, your daughter's sick. Uh, watch out for drafts. Close the windows. They're a highway for bacteria. Yeah, when it's hot inside in the fall, watch out for drafts. Mm-hmm. He says they're a magic carpet for bacteria, <laughs> which is even which, funnier than highway. Maybe uh, maybe he's right. Maybe that's what it was. She caught a, a bad draft Yeah, in her room. She was sick. Bad draft sounds like my fantasy team. Oh, I thought you were going to say screenplay. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm glad uh, we got to this a week. I'm I'm like a week out from, from COVID because I was pretty much in a, a Reagan Pazuzu-like state for a while. I, I Yeah. Uh, when I had COVID, yeah, it was very similar. I didn't spit out pea soup as oh, much. I mean, I had the the help me scars. I had my skin was rotting on the whole deal. You turning into a deadite the whole time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the priests were coming and throwing holy water over me. And it burnt like hell. Not even real holy water. Ugh. But I had to trick them. Do you think Paisuzu, when he actually is going to hurt, do you think it's a trick so they don't do the exorcism? Yeah, I think that's what's going on. I think he's lying to. And here I thought that I could trust him. <laughs> who can't uh, trust anymore you can't trust you ancient can't tr- demons of mesopotamia that's they'll lie but they'll mix in the truth that's how they get you karis is like when she's trying to get him to do the exorcism he's like nobody does this shit anymore like no one knows how to do this he brings it to like his head of his whatever they fucking his general the priest. church yeah, I mean, there's like we a hierarchy. The, yeah, the, the chief of, of church. The chieftain. The chief of, of priests. Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, sure. We'll just get our, our guy. We'll do it. We have, a, we have a guy that did one. Yeah, we got an exorcist guy. Uh, I love what they say in that scene where he's like, yeah, this guy did one 20 years ago. It almost killed him. And I'm like, so you're going to fucking send him to another one? Mm-hmm. You're he's like, this guy almost experience. died. So let's send him out. Okay, sure, dude. 
Yeah, when they're like, eh, Karis can be there too. It's probably good to have a psychiatrist around anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. In case we accidentally kill this kid or something. They, they almost say, like, we, a psychiatrist should be there. So they almost like they're like, oh, for liability reasons. Yeah, they got to cover their ass. They make a Reagan sign a bunch of forms before the exorcism. <laughs> they make Pazuzu sign them too. <laughs> it's like the scene with the hypnotist. Like, the, if the person who's inside of Reagan, you have to sign these forms too. Now, you're welcome to read over all of these, but they're just your standard consent to treatment. So if you just want to sign at the bottom. <laughs> they Nathan Fielder them. Pazuzu's lawyers there. Yeah, they have they did an interview with Pazuzu after the movie. And it's like, I should have had my fucking lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never got exercised if I knew my rights. <sighs> no, they, they always read the forms. Always read the forms. They didn't read Pazuzu his Miranda rights, too. So he'll be free. In like a couple days, probably. It's a good thing they're in D.C., which like I don't think has actual laws and it's not a state. So if they were in California. I think it'd be different. Well, there's no laws. No, there are laws. There's no laws in D.C., though, where they are in this movie. Oh, it's not swan- a state. Yeah. They don't have any actual laws. over there. <laughs> It's international waters. Yeah. In the it's swamp. A, it's between Virginia and the other two states that make the borders there, whatever they are. Um, and there's no laws. Maryland. You can do anything you want in DC. Yeah, that's why all the demons are there. Mm-hmm. Nothing there but demons and priests. Yeah, oh, you mean Congress? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The evil. I think that's what this movie is about. Actually, we we solved it. This yeah. movie is about the fucking swamp. The evil in DC. In DC, and that's why it's a fucking. Uh, that's why it's a fucking rich person who gets taken over. She's been buying out the city. It's not that uh science and religion don't work it's that these politicians don't believe science and they've lost god Fucking the solved end it. solved it friedkin's been waiting for decades for someone to finally understand that this movie is about politics why else would you set it in dc think about it why else would the movie she made be about vietnam it's all coming together all coming together ah oh. The girl's name is Reagan? Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on, people. Wake up. <laughs> oh, her name's Reagan and they're from California? Wake up, sheeple. The Exorcist predicted Reagan. It was trying to warn us about Ronald Reagan. Was he governor at the time? Puh, I'm going to uh, say yes. Why not? Who's going to correct me? He was definitely famous. He existed. I'm going to say he was governor at the time and no one can correct me because i'm not going to read the comments wouldn't that be a huge bummer to name your kid after some actor you like and then he becomes an evil president later evil his... oh shit he was governor at the time this movie was made i was right no one can correct me i'm always right in this podcast it's <laughs> having to explain to people that you're named after ronald reagan the actor and not <laughs> ronald reagan the president. president we didn't know what he was gonna do just like westerns have you seen um so you know like how a lot of politicians have uh apartments in dc because obviously they can't live at their home in their home states all the time because because everyone hates them yeah because everyone hates (laughs) (laughs) the houses get egged um i I like to imagine that this like nice two-story apartment that reagan and, and chris live in is like right next to the boy's house that chuck schumer lives in it's uh the guy what ron paul's son that got beat up for the leaves 
his neighbor was actually Pazuzu that <laughs> beat him up. What do you think? What do you think? Like their neighbors think? So I was thinking about this the whole time because, like, when the priests get there, Pazuzu's just screaming his head <laughs> yeah. off. And I'm like, how 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 have you been able to live in this apartment for like the yeah. year that your daughter's been possessed, and like your neighbors haven't gotten you evicted? Yeah, it's like a row house, and there's like the walls and ceilings are cracking and stuff. Windows are exploding. Mm-hmm. It's not. They don't own it. They're. It's a place you're renting. They could. They could kick you out. The people next door bang on the wall. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I need the cut that just has a couple of those thrown in. We get it. Shut up. Because it's like a long ass time that she's turned down your movie. Like Reagan's possessed for like weeks at least. It's not it's, months. It's got to be months. There's yeah, there's they... multiple moments in the movie where they go. It's been a week. And like yeah. we see her get visited by a few doctors, but then at one point Chris says every like we've had all of the experts talk to her, not just the ones we see in the movie, like they've condensed it. So it's like it had to have been months of like researching this girl. Yeah, she's been screaming her head off. I mean, it's implied too that there's some time f- missing from like when she first starts acting weird because she tells her that like. Oh, just remember, after she pees at the party, she's like, remember the doctor said, like, it's just your nerves or whatever, so mm-hmm. just take your medicine and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, it's really unclear and, like, unsettling how you just have, like, no frame for how much time is spent in this movie. It feels like you have a fever. But, yeah, they call him the fucking big dog, Lancaster. He shows up for the uh, for the poster shot. Oh yeah, I like when that shot happened. I like pointed at my TV. I'm like, there it is. <laughs> that's the Exorcist right there. Not the guy we've been watching. That's the Exorcist. Yeah, I guess he is the Exorcist. Yeah, because uh, Damien is is the psychiatrist. Yeah, <laughs> I would never watch that. <laughs> the psychiatrist. The psychiatrist, and it's about an exorcism. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's about a, a guy that, like, he's obviously possessed, but none of the priests can figure out what's wrong with him. So they have to bring in a doctor. Oh, and it turns out he's just sick. Yeah, he's just has a cold. <laughs> they, they go to him. The mother's like, so is my son okay? And they go, well, we can't. We've tried exorcism and it didn't work. There is something Jesus you know, Christ, just tell me what's wrong. There, there's something, you know, we haven't done it in a while. It's been it's been really discredited, but we could take him to a doctor. Are you a Reagan familiar with Tylenol? <laughs> no one does it. Medical? No one does it anymore except for the doctors. I like too that like this really isn't um like Catholic specific. That the doctors are like psychologically it might help her to have an exorcism uh the catholics are the only people still freaky enough to perform this so like if you can find a priest to do it you should do that it's like the movie uses like a lot of religious imagery but the fact that it happens to be catholic stuff seems more like happenstance than anything yeah it's really more to do with the fact that like functionally in an exorcism story who would be doing an exorcism in 1970 yeah because she's like, oh, you want me to find a witch doctor? Witch doctor? Witch doctor? You want, me to find, you want me to find a witch doctor now? 
they she does a little who's on first thing with the doctors <laughs> yeah the Karis tries to like lay some of his uh psychiatric analysis on uh Marin and he's just like nope shut up <laughs> <laughs> he shuts him I down don't care so he's much like, maybe you should know some of the background and he's like why <laughs> I don't need that shit. I know what I'm doing. He's like, we should talk about the, the different uh, personalities that she's manifested. No. There's one personality. It's the devil. And we're going <laughs> to kick his ass. Listen to the guy who knows what he's doing. And turns out what you do for an exorcism is you just read from the Bible. Yeah. The power of Christ compels you. I think I could do it. Is all, that's what I'm saying. I think I could do it. I also think I would have been able to figure out the backward voice thing. Like pretty obviously she's just talking backwards idiot <laughs> you mean yeah when karis is like she's speaking another language and he takes it to us a guy and the guy's like yeah english dude, it's fucking english dude <laughs> he he listens to it once and goes it's english he doesn't listen to it backwards he listens to it straight through and goes it's english <laughs> i figured it out for you yeah he sees a bunch of freaky shit karis does before they do the exorcism and he's like yeah, she's doing weird stuff, but she hasn't done like these three specific things that I I need. She hasn't spoken a language she's never studied before. Yeah, yeah, sure. She had knowledge of my mom that she wouldn't have, and she made drawers open up that she didn't touch and I didn't touch. But uh, she didn't speak Latin, so yeah. I'm a little skeptical. None of that's on my checklist of stuff to look out for. Dude, like, dude, what if the demon doesn't know Latin? What if it's a non-Latin speaking demon? all demons just know latin yeah that's the language of demons mm. from the but before that, times is that why no one speaks it anymore yep all the demons died away we lost it were the spartans just demons yes yeah they fought like Whoa. demons <laughs> yes they did fight like <laughs> demons <laughs> so true do they say it? there's a movie is it 300 where they say they fought like demons i feel like i don't know I think that no, it's Dune. Let's fight like demons. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it just sounds like a three hundred line. Yeah, it sounds Fuck. like one. I thought I was quoting three hundred. I thought you were too, Dune. I I thought you were until you questioned it. Yeah, what? I don't know what finally convinces him. I can't remember. Is it the help me? Like fucking raised scars on her stomach. Yeah, it is. He he came in and she had the scars, and he was like, oh. Oh yeah, that's well, actually that's one of the things on my list. Actually, yeah, I, I forgot that was the fourth thing. I forgot it. Sorry, I'm new to this. <laughs> I've never done this before. Turns out, if someone writes from the inside of your stomach out, <laughs> uh, not a trick. That's grounds for a possession. Yeah, saying It'd that be my funny mom. Feel like he turned to Chris and went, "Did you do this? Who did this? Who did this? Yeah, the Johnny Knoxville. This is the Pazuzu." <laughs> <laughs> Man, fucking The Exorcism would be a good uh, jackass stunt. It's it's a shaking bed, is what it is, and it's they, they you hook up a bed like a on like basically one of those bulls, uh, mm. mechanical bulls, but you have two of them for each side of the bed, shakes it real hard, and you have to stay on as long as possible. That's The Exorcism. That is my jackass stunt. Please put it in Jackass Five. Dude, I mean, when it comes to prestige, Oscar validated horror bits on jackass you're not going to do better than the silence of the lambs no you're not <laughs> perfect uh but man let's go <laughs> jackass five the exorcism let's do it shake a bed real hard 
throw someone off of it. They get people hurt. Hurt backs, just like in this movie. Why not? Yeah, people got hurt. People died, people died making this, right? Relatives of people who made this died. Uh, oh, pfft. that is not count. real, right? <laughs> uh, Max von Sydow's brother died, and he had to leave production for a week to go to a funeral. Um, and uh, Linda Blair's grandfather died. That feels like stuff that probably happens on any production. Linda though. Blair had like permanent. She got scoliosis from the bed shaking because she wasn't properly strapped down. And Ellen Burstyn, when she gets thrown to the ground in that scene where she gets trapped in the room at the masturbation scene, she like hurt her back permanently. Never recovered from it. She like still has pain to this day, I guess, or something. Uh, there was a couple other injuries that happened. Uh, it was one of those movies where like, I think a lot of, like you said, I, the familial deaths, I'm sure I bet happen in every movie. It's one of those things where because of the subject matter, I think people yeah. are looking more for signs. They're like, oh, I, her hundred-year-old grandmother died. This movie is cursed. <laughs> did you hear about like the one of the producers? The reason he took the script, he was, was reading the book, and it uh, the book was like hot to the touch. <laughs> so when he was reading the book, his dog wouldn't come up in the bed with him, which his dog always slept with him. And then the he went to like he so he went to like say goodnight, but dog went picked up the book and the book was hot to the touch. And that's he's like, this is a real, I gotta, I gotta, ooh. I gotta adapt this. We gotta produce it. It's such people. a, like a, Ooh, you got scared by the book you were reading and you saw everything you wanted to. Uh, but it's such a good story when you hear about that stuff. I yeah. love, I love reading, uh, about the curse of the exorcist production. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the stuff seems flimsy. Like, like most of it's flimsy, but it's fun to pretend those connections are real. Yeah, I mean, like Poltergeist is a much more like obviously cursed like the set, production. The set burning down. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Like only Reagan's room survived. That yeah okay maybe it was cursed. That that's just like a cool when you it's it's you get enough of these like uh little uh uh coincidences lining up it just becomes a fun story. It never mind that every Friedkin production is like cursed in some way, like has something go wrong somewhere. Yeah, apparently he's just like a fucking maniac and like not super fun to work for. It makes sense that he would eventually make a movie that people thought was <laughs> cursed by the devil. Well, while we're talking about production, I meant to mention this at the top, but while we're in the middle of production notes, I want to. Did you like read how the book, like how it found success? Because this movie got made because the book is a huge hit. But when it came out, I was reading apparently wasn't a huge hit. It like flopped the. Uh, publisher had invent. They thought it would be a huge hit when they invested in it. It was based on a real exorcism, mm -hmm. uh, and they thought like being based on a real story, like it's going to hit with people. It was a flop. Bookstores were canceling the tour for the author because they were returning the books to the publisher. It was DOA, and then the writer got an opportunity to, to appear on the Dick Cavett show, and because a guest canceled, and the backup guest. Robert Shaw was too drunk to appear. Hell yeah. Yeah, one. I especially like the story because <laughs> it has Robert Shaw being too drunk to appear on TV. How do you get so too drunk to be on a talk show? You just have to sit yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they got uh, they got Blatty, and even though like Dick Cavett wasn't interested in the subject matter because he does not care about the supernatural, they just let him talk for a while because they needed to fill time. 
and the audience ate it up and the book sales shot through the roof afterward. So it's all like circumstance. It's just like, hey, he got lucky. Like the book was a failure and thankfully Robert Shaw was a drunk. <laughs> he saved the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Just Robert Shaw too drunk to appear on a talk show. Thank you, Robert Shaw. You would not have the Exorcist movie without your problems. Yeah. I mean, uh, you got to have an at least you got to have an at least partially intoxicated Robert Shaw to get a lot of good a lot of good movie stuff in the 70s. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense that uh Linda Blair would have hurt herself during this shit though. Cuz like the way she's moving doesn't look like how a human mm. body should move. It's one of those things where like I don't think the production was cursed so much as maybe their safety standards were low. Yeah. Yeah, the the whole end of the movie is just in the room, though. Once we get into exorcism mode, that's where we're staying. I mean, it's a good day for an exorcism. It's cold. Mm-hmm. Their room, <laughs> that room is refrigerated. It's so fucking cool. Uh, my old roommate uh, used to like leave his windows open in the winter. All winter long. Did not matter. It was snowing close to zero. Does His window is open all year round. His room was like a refrigerator. So I think that he was actually a demon, Pazuzu. He was possessed. Yeah. I think he was possessed because I never understood that behavior. It was like the rest of the house would be like 70 <laughs> degrees and his bedroom would be third. When he would open the door, a wave of cold would hit you. Because uh, he would keep like the door sealed with like a, a towel so the rest of the house wouldn't ruin. But yeah, it was like wave of cold, like a fucking refrigerator. So I think he was the demon Pazuzu. That it turns out, and it explains so much. The watch this movie, I, so many things clicked about that roommate. Yeah, that's some freaky ass behavior. Mm-hmm. I think you you want him to be possessed. You don't want to think that there's just a guy out there that's just <laughs> like that. He's <laughs> a guy who just loves like, living in a refrigerator. <laughs> I mean, being able to see the breath that clearly is pretty cool. It is. Maybe that is such just... a. Yeah, they, they could have just said the room was cold, but the fact that they refrigerated a room. So it it did give Linda Blair lifelong health problems, but it was worth it. Yeah. She had to you film gotta, those scenes in like a gown. You got to crack a few eggs. Yeah. She apparently, yeah, she has an aversion to cold because of the experience of filming those scenes, but it did make the movie better. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like smoking in movies. It's just like inherently cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to kill your actors, but you kind of got to do it. I mean, that's the job, I guess. They're Uh, all smoking in this movie. Oh, yeah. Even uh, Ellen Burstyn. Yeah, she asks the priest for a cigarette. Pretty cool. That's something I was thinking watching this in, you know, I I think we mentioned smoking every time smoking appears in an old movie. but uh, (laughs) We love it. You don't smoke. (laughs) Yeah, I do not smoke. I don't smoke. (laughs) But I'm pro-smoking in movies. Yeah, we just think Uh, it's cool. It's... I was thinking, notice like there's nothing that expresses it is an inherently it's a silent and, and just physical gesture that expresses so much about a character's like being and their mental state, depending on how they use a cigarette. Like there's a scene, I think it's with his mom. Someone asks uh, Karis like how he's doing and he like lies and said he's OK. And then he lights a cigarette frustratedly and it's yeah. like immediately like, well, this guy's in a fucking he's lighting a cigarette the way he's lighting it because he having, he's having a shitty time. Uh-huh. It's like immediately readable. And if you if he pulled out a vape and sucked on that fucking yeah. electric battery, doesn't express the same thing. Yeah. I think you can get 
kind of the same things from like eating, but then the mm-hmm. character can't like really talk. Mm-hmm. Smoking, yeah, smoking is just the perfect little thing. Yeah, give him some jerky, and then he can just bite it off a mm-hmm. piece, like real, real strong. A bag of sunflower seeds. Some dip. <laughs> Get some dip going in movies. Spit in a can. There's yeah. There's not a lot of chewing tobacco in movies. Chewing the tobacco. Is, there's. Chewing tobacco is more of a comedy thing, I think, because you get the bit where someone picks up the wrong can Ding! of yeah. Diet Pepsi and accidentally drinks your spit. A classic mistake. That, that is a that is a classic mistake from like family get-togethers growing up, of having uncles who would do chew. I would rather drink dip spit than a Diet Pepsi. <laughs> you know, I don't disagree. <laughs> I was not one of the ones that had to make that mistake because I did not drink Diet Pepsi. Reagan says some real nasty stuff. Oh yeah, that was my, I was thing I was going to bring up too. Is I think she uh, she's really homophobic. Is one thing I think is really funny. She uh, she uses like the f slur and she says cocksucker a bunch. Uh, and I realized watching it that I think she'd be really good at like Xbox Live. Yeah. Like, oh, for sure. I think she'd be natural. If you get some intel on who you're playing, you find out that they have a dead mom. Oh yeah. Which oh, like, yeah. sorry I was so mean during the game, guys. I was possessed by the demon, the ancient demon Pazuzu. She does say cocksucker a lot, but she's mostly talking about Damien's mom. So, mm. oh no, she she calls um the priests themselves cocksuckers at one point, and she calls I think the older priest I know, I think she calls him the F slur. She says your mother sucks cocks in hell. Yep. She does his mom's voice and says, "Why mm. did you let me die?" Oh, yeah. She's Freaky. she's brutal. That stuff is just so much freakier to me than the like vomit in the face, the head spinning. Yeah, yeah no, she, the voices, like how mean she is, the way she cuts into people emotionally, like the way they're hurt on their faces. Uh, I would not want her to be trying to get in my head in a game of Halo. Yeah, <laughs> it would work. I'd, I'd I'd start throwing immediately. Dude, uh, after, like I'm tr- I'm I'm. Getting your mom's I, your IP right now, like mom's uh, sucking cocks in hell. It turns out I just sucks. Pull her IP. <laughs> yeah, they're not having much luck. Uh, Max von Sydow goes back in by himself and just dies like within a couple minutes of going back in the room. Uh, yeah, he goes. He goes in the bathroom, pops his like anti demonic possession pills, and then goes back in and dies. Fuck. He mixed up his uh, anti-possession pills with his death pills, his <laughs> cyanide capsules. Yeah, he took cyanide. <laughs> He's been microdosing cyanide, and then he <laughs> just went all in. Took them all. It turns out that demonic possession—it's like alcohol. It does make your medicines more effective, and he wasn't accounting for that in in the dose that he took. <sighs> yeah, he OD'd. R.I.P. Rip. Lancaster. Uh, it, Pazuzu slipped fentanyl in his. Yeah, his he just touched him with it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. If you touch, if touch Reagan, it's just like you get a contact uh, fentanyl. It absorbs through your pores. Yeah, pre start reporting this, just like cops. Did that? That seeing him dead though just sets Karis off. He starts punching this little girl in the face. <laughs> I was in the same time the detective arrives and. Cause I don't remember how the movie ends exactly. I'm like, it's like, is the detective going to walk in the room while he's beating this <laughs> little girl? <laughs> girl. 
Because he does poke his head in the room around that time. Or not in the room, into the house. In the house. Yeah, he's, he arrives at the house. I'm uh, back. Just hanging out. Hey, uh, I was leaving your house, but then I heard, like, hours of screaming. So I thought I'd <laughs> pop back in. Yeah, I was just strolling uh, by in the neighborhood. Uh, I heard someone, like, just, like, yelling a bunch of slurs from upstairs. <laughs> Is everything okay? <laughs> I saw the ceiling crack. It looked like your foundation had split. Is are you is is your house safe anymore? Sounds like someone like punching your daughter up there. Uh, I, no, it's a it's a priest actually. He can <laughs> he's allowed to do that. I was outside on the, the I was investigating the stairwell again, and I looked up and I saw like I mean just through the window I just saw a shadow, but it kind of looked like the demon Pazuzu. <laughs> is the ancient demon Pazuzu there? I saw your daughter. Her hands were in the air. A lot of like lights were flickering and there's like a fog machine and i thought i saw the ancient demon pazuzu uh i keep getting flashes of things do you think the demon pazuzu was visible through the window when when he was appearing when he was having like a standoff with the old man yeah yeah probably is like projected out onto the street but then fucking the demon falls for the oldest trick in the book yeah cares just yeah what he cares demands to be possessed yeah take me take me buddy Okay. Yeah, sure. I guess. Sounds good. Powerful man's body? Let's go. I can get any, in so like, many doors this way. Head first swan dives out the window. Pretty fucking cool. Demon Pazuzu thought he was going to do like his Hitman 47. I'm taking another costume so I can get into extra areas of the level uh, bit. But it nope. immediately failed. No. Yeah. Counter attack. He's too powerful. Yeah. Uh, Karis gets that feel like for the like the demon makeup and goes not my thing not my look <laughs> I want to die beautiful uh, I want to be hot again yeah yeah I don't know like it's really cool just like visually as far as like the a like thematic conclusion I don't know I've been like thinking about like what it's what it's saying because like the whole movie seems to be like talking about the the role of like you know modern solutions and religious solutions to like the the problems of the time and then you get to the end and reagan can't be helped with medicine she also can't be helped by the fucking priest <laughs> it's like useless uh but then karis's solution is to sacrifice himself i don't know like connects on like a purely human level i guess with reagan for a second and then has to kill himself. What I, what I really like about the end and Karis's arc in the end is when they're trying to exercise Pazuzu from, from Reagan's body, like Saito keeps like, he's really extremely focused. And then like Karis will be distracted and like distracted by the sights of real possession, realizing that he can't be skeptical anymore. Cause he goes in the exorcism being like, let's talk about the background. And he's talking about Reagan. Like she has split personality disorder. He's like, mm-hmm. she, th- she's manifested three personalities and you watch him throughout the exorcism, realize that it's not different personalities. It's a demon and it's real because the only way to explain what you're seeing is that it's real. And he has this crisis of faith where he realizes that like his previous crisis of faith was wrong. And like everything that he thought wasn't real anymore is real. He's facing the reality. And I think like the ending of him taking the demon is just like, yeah, he's, it's a self-sacrifice and realizing the only choice he can make is this is the only thing you can think of. Like I, I can't fight you with the Bible in holy water. The only thing I can do is take you out with me. Yeah. It's ultimate sacrifice in the, uh, in 
I guess in uh, you know uh, for for the greater good like, in, in service of good. I, yeah. I guess like for him, it's 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 almost like Karis is getting his uh, uh, redemption arc from not being able to save his mom. Yeah, he has nothing left to live for outside of this, I guess, and he he he's able to save somebody and go out on that note. Mm. Do you think God will forgive him for killing himself? No, he's in hell for sure. <laughs> Sorry, those are the rules. He's with his mom, at least. Yep, they're both sucking cocks in hell. <laughs> they're both sucking cocks in hell. <laughs> right next to each other. At least there's that. You know, yeah. they'll be together forever. It's kind of, it's pretty, uh, like, bleak. It just, like, the solution is that Karis is, like, the synthesis of these two mm-hmm. approaches, but, like, combining them involves like self-destruction and like the only way to move past this stuff is for like both of these uh like modern and religious approach to come together and then be eliminated uh there's something about like the way this movie goes through and and, like i've said before it takes like a 100 minutes going through every possible solution that they can work out and it builds into the sense of like this situation they're in is real because he tries everything right and it's the sense of like the smartest minds are put against this like existential problem that like they're beat their heads against and like, there's no answer for it. It's the smartest minds in the world finding that up against the unknown, there's there's nothing they can do. That they can't understand it, they can't it, they can't solve it. And even in faith, there's limited solutions here. Like this force we're facing is so is so great uh, and so horrific that that even you know a a, a great too great uh priests can't quite handle it or they do but with great cost to themselves mm-hmm. i guess the original ending that the writer liked more was more hopeful they both still die but uh the ending where uh the president of the university says goodbye to them i guess in the book he gets like and in the original cut of the movie he has like a there's an extra note with him where he like gets in a relationship and like there's a happier note of this a sense of like, oh, some other character has got a happier end out of this. Like mm-hmm. good has overcome. We're ending with someone finding love. The sense of like there's there is goodness in the world that and, that's, and that goodness is what we've saved. Not just like this bleakness of like, at least we survived. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Reagan's not in the ending that we actually do get. She's not really even taking anything from this because they say that she doesn't remember any yeah. of it. Yeah, she so. got an MIB lasered. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, oh, you know what? He's not going to hell. He's going to heaven because his buddy, the other priest, just happened to be like walking by or something, I guess, and he can, you know, absolve him and give him his final confession mm-hmm. like right before he dies. So that's nice. It'd be funny if like cop shows up like, hey, dude, get the fuck away, away from, from the body. <laughs> <laughs> he was just it's murdered a, by a demon. It's a crime scene. Great, now you're the suspect. He killed him. His fingerprints oh, dude, are all so... over the body. Oh my god. Yeah, that's like, uh, if you want to kill someone, I guess be a priest. Because then you'd be like, I was giving him last rites. I don't know what you're talking about. Of course my hand's all over him. I was just around because of... Uh, I, I live here. It's not my fault that all these people keep dying outside the parish. It's the steps that are cursed. <laughs> be funny if it was the Joker steps. They do look like the Joker steps. They don't look anything. They're too narrow to be the Joker steps. 
they're they have that like quality of looking like infinitely tall though do you do you think like in the in 73 when this movie came out and was like a giant hit and stayed in the theaters for two years do you think like people started flocking to those steps as like a tourist trap just like uh, people go to the joker steps now those the exorcist steps are still like a tourist destination nice yeah it's like the rocky uh, stairs and movies right like the rocky steps the joker yeah. steps the exorcist There's a lot of good steps. steps out there they should put a statue a pazuzu statue on the exorcist steps like they did for the rocky steps (laughs) yeah just like they have an arnold schwarzenegger statue in my city do they yeah they do it's not related to steps though but man i forgot there was a big demon in this movie like they show a demon yeah that's like one of my main takeaways revisiting the movie is like i forgot there was like it wasn't just oh the girl is a spooky girl. It's like, no, there's literally a physical demon. Max von Sydow, like, stares down a demon statue and then later stares down a real demon. Yeah. Yeah. They just, like, happened onto something so iconic with the, like, head-spinning little girl and stuff that your brain just doesn't hang on. To- Somehow, it's like, misses... Mm-hmm a bunch of other extremely cool and terrifying stuff. It's, it's a freaking freaked it. Like this is an incredible looking movie. Yeah. And it's tense. The score is great when it pops up. It's uses their sound is amazing. The performances are just, I keep thinking about this movie is like the budget was really small. I mean, it went over budget, but even after going over budget it was what? $12 million or something like that. Like not an expensive movie. Uh, today it'd be like, it would have cost like 50 million or something like that. It's like an a 24 movie in scope. <laughs> uh not an expensive movie he had to fill it with a lot of like small actors like either first roles or some of their first roles and yet like all the performances are incredible it's incredible it's just like i don't know i it's one of those movies where it's like the budget probably really helped it because they wouldn't have gotten burst in or or miller if they had bunch of more money right yeah i mean they they tried to get other people i was reading about like the score because we talked to the music it's great uh freaking said in an interview that if he had known who tangerine dream was in the 70s he would have used (laughs) early 70s he would have used them for the exorcist that would have been cool and i was thinking about that i was like that probably would have been great but it wouldn't be the same exorcist that we just watched right because like the like Lack of music and the specific like that theme song that happens like that is such a distinct soundscape. And if you fill that movie with Tangerine Dream instead, it's totally different. Right. Yeah. And probably in that other universe, we're talking about how that is perfect and no other soundscape would have worked. (laughs) But it's just one of those things you think about like, oh, this is a decision that he only made because at that point in time, he could not have fathomed the decisions he would make later in his career. Yeah. It's like. The version of Friedkin in 73 is the only version that would have made this exorcist as it exists. Yeah, it was interesting to hear you say that like the book kind of took off because of happenstance because the like the movie came out and like the studio just kind of like it didn't have a super huge release. They just kind of like dumped it on a few screens because it was such a troubled production. Like didn't 30 have... screens or something small. Yeah, it didn't say. have any big stars on they it. Thought so it like... they, they thought it yeah. would flop. They thought it would flop. 
and it just had such and it didn't like the initial critical reactions were not great to it uh but it just had such an insane word of mouth took off and like they released it after the holidays when like before the holidays is the period to release a big hit movie but they were afraid that people would be offended if a movie about the devil was released during christmas freakin was pissed off because he wanted them to either release it before christmas or to release it in march when it could have its own focus like godfather was released in march was a huge hit was why he wanted march and he hated them for it and then it turned out that the post holiday period was perfect because everyone had time to see it and it was a gi- the mo- highest grossing r rated horror movie until the it remake came out in 2017 oh, so that that's the one that beat it out there's not a lot of r rated horror that hits that big yeah what a lightning in a bottle is what you call that kind of movie yeah and that kind of success yeah and now we need the sequel that takes up at the end and we get to watch the detective investigating how the priest died. Have you seen any of the sequels? No. Me neither. I, I know the detective's not in the sequels. That that actor's not. Yeah. Uh, so my vision is you get I want his I want him investigating Miller's murder. How'd he fall out the window? What happened, huh? I know. What's that guy gonna think? Find about out it? next time. That's 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 my that's my pitch. Again. David Gordon Green, please call me up. So you know, it does. I fucking, oh my God. Yes. Cause like that's, that's going back to what I said at the top of the episode. That's my pitch. It's not the whole movie from that guy's perspective. It picks, it's a sequel to the original exorcist that ignores all the uh, other movies. Right. Yeah. And follows the detective investigating Miller's death in which she has to face the truth of the existence of demons without a current possession to prove it. So maybe Pazuzu's coming back for revenge at the same time that he's investigating Miller's death. He's, figuring out what's true, what's false, what's Reagan's involvement, what's Chris's involvement. He thinks Chris pushed him out the window. Boom. Just like Halloween was his sequel to the original Halloween, right? Yeah. Come on, David Gordon Green, let's do it. His ears, his ears perked up when you started talking about uncanonizing sequels to do a direct. The Detector Sist. David Gordon Green, come on, buddy. Could be big money. It's, oh, what could be bigger? Who am I, I going to get to play the investigator today? Uh, Tom Hardy. Sorry, I already made up my mind. That'd be good. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Why not? I just cast him. I just pick him for everything. It's being. <laughs> I don't think about it too much. It's coming. Uh, twenty twenty four. Watch for it. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna make this quick. Twenty twenty three. Crank this bad boy Ooh, out. Oh, blue. I mean, if it's a Blue Mouse production, that's possible. Let's go. Yeah. Get the gears turning on the Bloomhouse machine. I don't even need that much money, Mister Bloomhouse. What? How much do you give your guys? Uh, I'll, I'm gonna. I'll do this like a Corman picture. Let's go. Twenty bucks. Give me twenty bucks. I got. <laughs> I got a. I got a cat. I got a phone with the camera on it. I got a microphone. That's movies. That's movies. You know what else is movies? Oh, uh, our recap part of the end of the podcast. Uh, I almost went to the what's next week. Yeah. Uh, I, wanna... I think I know what you think about The Exorcist, but what do you think about The Exorcist? I you picked really, it after all. I really love The Exorcist. Yeah, this was uh this was my pick. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is a really scary fucking movie. Just even down to like the rhythm of how the shots are edited together. Mm-hmm. There's just something like off about what's going on with this movie. Like I feel infected by it whenever mm-hmm. I watch it. 
uh yeah i Even love just it. the way it cuts between all the different stories like to get to what you're saying i think like at the beginning of the movie we're like we're looking at the old father and then we go to reagan's uh and chris's story and then we get to karis's story and then we're, we're cutting back and forth between them when their stories don't even match up yet and it kind of keeps you on your toes when you don't mm-hmm. even know how these people are lining up until they finally do toward the end and just like the length of things too it's like letting things play out long enough that they're not like intercutting for like direct Mm -hmm. juxtapositions and stuff but it's not like scenes feel really like truncated where they will just like snap like right into something else yeah and just like the way that it looks with all of like the really harsh lights and all the zooms and like the sounds like clashing in out of nowhere it feels like designed to upset me uh so yeah this is like a easy easy five stars for me it's also an easy five for me uh yes. this is a movie like this is my first i don't have scored on letterbox for the first time i haven't had like a score for it because i hadn't seen it long enough it's one of those i'm like i know i've seen this but i'm pretty sure it's a five but i don't feel comfortable giving it a five until i rewatch it it's mm-hmm. a fucking it's it's william it's billy freeds uh he's one of my favorite directors every time i watch one of his movies i'm like yeah he's one of the fucking greatest that's ever done it ever uh fucking sorcerer fucking french connection fucking to live and die in la cruising yeah just an incredible director this is one of his incredible this is one of his perfect movies i don't know it's it feels evil it's an it's an evil it movie does. it feels uh, evil i know like i said before like the original ending that the writer prefers is like happier but like it is so typically friedkin to end on like a a victory that feels like failure like this is a happy ending. She, Reagan's free to live her life. She's going to be a happy little girl. I I haven't seen the sequels. She's probably not. But <laughs> at the end of this movie, she's going to be a happy she's little girl fine. and have a whole life. And her mom's going to be successful, even though her movie got shut down because the director died. Um, it's on hiatus. She'll maybe she'll get to direct it. You know, that's she'll a career to. upgrade for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like it ends like this happy note that feels like a depressing one because our two heroes of this movie, the two men who like. Only people who could help her, not fucking doctors. That's for sure. Doctors suck. Doctors that's my fucking takeaway. suck, and they're dumb. Bozo. Stupid and stinky. That's my closing thought. <laughs> doctors, stupid and stinky. Uh, I'm religious now. Yep. Uh, I am officially Catholic. Me too. I'm converting. I'm converting right now. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's a. Uh, I love the movie. It's it's scary. It's. God, when before I even did my rewatch and I was digging through like screens so I could do the promo post for this, I was like, holy shit. Why does this movie look so much fucking cooler than I remember? <laughs> Every shot's incredible. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. It's yeah, it's deeply evil. Ellen, Ellen, Bur- my closing thought is Ellen Burstyn. Linda Blair also Linda Blair. like an unfilmable script without her. I, we, I know we've talked earlier this year about how, like, maybe child actors are evil yeah. after watching the rehearsal. But I've come back around on child actors. No, yeah, I they're good again. as long again. as you get a movie like The Exorcist, it's okay to do whatever it does to their lives. Yes, the ends justify the means. Yeah, so I've changed my mind again. I used to think they were evil a couple months ago. Now I think they're good. Mm-hmm. That's part of being Catholic. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. <laughs> um, I think as long as you... You know, you make me like The Exorcist, and then you do like your confession. I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. 
uh, what an incredible picture. I don't know. Like, fuck. It's The Exorcist. It's the one. It's one of the, it's one of the great movies. Getting into some more uh, vaguely pseudo uh, Catholic stuff next week, though. We're exiting the 70s. <sighs> Sad. Finally. Next week, we're going to watch Constantine with a friend of the show, Joshua, at first or third place on Twitter. Uh, that'll be fun. I haven't seen Constantine. Yeah, I've seen it very recently, so... Maybe I won't even watch it. Yeah. Trust my gut. Yeah, I just wing it. <laughs> you know? Actually, I haven't watched any of the movies we talked about so far. Good for you. Yeah. Just kind of guess. <laughs> You're crushing it. Yeah. You know. I just that's why I just let you lead. I'm like, ah, it's we've probably about like a demon. Didn't even know it had a demon in it. I just kind of guessed. You can yeah, you can kind of guess at what's going on. A Skip de- around. A demon. You know, just like watch for your reaction. <laughs> like smiling and nodding. Damien. 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 Damien is what it has. Like one of those. Uh, I'm, I'm doing the podcast like one of those fortune tellers. That's just like, okay, uh, I, I have a feeling that there's a man in this movie. Uh-huh. A man wow. who's very important. Oh, my God. Uh, and he has a job, <laughs> but the job's causing him a lot of stress on his life. Spooky. And there's a big event that's going to be happening to him soon. Wow. Wow. How did you do that? You know, it just it just comes to me. Mentalism. Uh, I watched the movie. <laughs> but uh, anyway, until we watch next week's movie, please follow us on Twitter at Dadcore Cinema. Keep listening to the podcast wherever you happen to be finding it. If someone. Named Pazuzu told you to find this podcast. Cool. You know, tell your friends about it. Tell yeah. his friends about it. We don't discriminate against demons. Yeah, I don't know where demons get podcasts, but it's probably at dadcorecinema.club or iTunes or Google or wherever. You can follow me on Twitter at that one guy 64 My name's Brandon. Charlie, where are you? I am the tomboy. What do you got going on? You got any, uh, uh, I don't you know. A podcast or something? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing it right now, actually. Oh, cool. What's the name? Dad Core Cinema Club. I'll have to give it a listen. That sounds awesome. That's how. Those are the lyrics to the intro music that I've never released before. <laughs> but until next time, this has been an excellent day. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.